Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. All right, welcome back, everyone. Last week, we talked about Job. For the last, what, four weeks we had been, five weeks. Yeah, four or five weeks, yeah. Talking about Job. We're done with Job. That depressing story that is triumphant in the end. This week, we're going to pick up not after Job, because like we said, we didn't know exactly where Job was at, possibly right before this, uh, but we do know that we are picking up about 400 years after Joseph. If you remember, he uh, was Pharaoh's right-hand man for so long. He moved his family there, and then his family became enslaved. And this is where we pick up for Moses. Moses Mm -hmm. is in Egypt. So we're going to kind of skip over Job because we didn't know where he was. We talked about him. He was in there somewhere. Now we're moving on from after where Joseph left off. So what's going on there, Matt? Yeah. So, so when we left Joseph at the end of Genesis, just a, just a quick recap of, of where we were, things were going pretty well. Uh, Joseph was second in command. Like you said, he was Pharaoh's right-hand man because of some, a crazy series of events that he went through. He proved himself worthy. And so through that, he, through that, he invited his dad, whose name is Jacob, uh, also known as Israel, um, all of his brothers, all of their families to come and live in Egypt during a very severe famine. And they were taken care of there in the land of Goshen. And so, you know, everything was going pretty good at that point. Uh, it seemed like the Israelites and the Egyptians had a good relationship, good things, th- things were going well. When we pick it up in Exodus, it kind of picks up where it left off and said, okay, everything's going good. They're flourishing in the land. They're having lots of kids. The population of Israel is growing. But eventually, you know, Father Time is undefeated in this life. <laughs> uh, the Pharaoh that was so keen on Joseph and put him in command passed away and a new leader came in his place. And so um, this guy apparently did not feel the same way about the Israelites that this old Pharaoh did. And, and in fact, because they weren't Egyptians, he saw them as a threat. Uh, Exodus 1, 9 through 10 says, He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. And so... Low self-esteem much? Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and talk about pessimistic and cynical. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like if, if he knew anything of the history of Joseph and, and the Pharaoh that was back then, I mean, it's a pretty irrational thought, but uh, you know, Hey, yeah, he, he had some self-esteem issues. <laughs> Apparently some confidence. Um... Yeah. And, and so, so his answer was, okay, well, we'll just enslave the whole Israelite nation and we're going to make them build cities for us. And so specifically there are two cities that are mentioned, uh, Python and Ramses, are uh, two cities that the Israelites were basically were enslaved and forced to build. Um, so when we talk about um, the slave labor and making bricks and all that kind of stuff, they were building storage cities for for Pharaoh. Not the pyramids. So I so I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't that's it's that's always been one of those things, and it may just be one of those things that I've thought because it because it's like oh hey this is how that happened this is how they built the pyramids. I don't really know. Or it was aliens, you know. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> but, but but here's the here's the craziest thing. That wasn't all he did. He felt so threatened by the Israelites 
that he even instructed the Hebrew midwives to kill any sons that were born to them. So just in case you're not familiar with the term midwife, basically it was the nurses who, who helped the moms give birth. Right. So he, he told them, look, whenever you're helping them give birth, if, a, if it's a girl, you can keep her. But if it's a boy, you have to kill him. Thankfully, the midwives, uh, they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And so they didn't follow his order. They did the best they could to hide these kids, which I don't have any kids of my own, but I've been around enough of them that that couldn't have been easy. No. <laughs> well, and what it was the Israelite women who were the midwives. So that would have yeah. been even harder because they had to kill their own people because they were enslaved by Egypt and having to do what they said. Exactly. Like, and, and that's just so, so many things wrong with that. Yeah. Um, so many things like, yeah, you're, you're destroying your own people. You're destroying your own race. And, and, you know, so they, they did everything they could to, to get around it, but eventually Pharaoh caught on. And so his next instruction was kind of even a ramp up from that. He said, look, every boy that's been born has to be thrown in the Nile river. And so it's just, he's paranoid. He's cynical. He's, he has just assumed that Israelites must be evil only because they've been successful, which if you've ever been around somebody like that, they're they're the worst people to be around. (laughs) I've, uh, I've, I've seen that a time or two where people are threatened by somebody else's success rather than, you know, being able to, you know, Support them and see them through that. It's, you know, just, no, you got to try to bring them down a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> That's who Pharaoh was. That's who this guy was. But insert the main character of our story for the next few weeks. Uh, we meet a young boy named Moses. Now, we don't know much about Moses' parents. But one thing that we do know that's included is that they were um, both Levite descendants. So if you go back to um, Jacob, um, who was also named Israel, he had 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them was Levi. So what we know about Moses' parents is that they were a descendants of Jacob's son, Levi. So it doesn't mean a whole lot at this point in the story, um, but it is really important for later on when we get into uh, the priesthood and, and some of that kind of stuff that Moses comes from that Levite descendant. So, um, so just a little nugget to hold on to, um, for, for a little bit further down the road. But, um, but after his birth, they hit him for about three months, uh, which is just crazy to me that they were even able to do that, but they reached a point where they couldn't hide him any longer. And so, uh, Moses, mom, I got a papyrus, uh, basket, covered it in asphalt and pitch and, put him in the basket and floated him down the Nile. So technically she put him in the Nile, but probably not in the way Pharaoh was thinking. And there's, and there's crocodiles and there's uh, piranhas and there's all kinds of things. And that was the safest bet for him was to put him in the Nile river with all of these predators. Yeah. I mean, think about how bad the situation must've been for that to be the best option. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention any, you know, I don't, I've never been, I've never seen it, but if there's any, uh, rapids, waterfalls, if he went unnoticed because of the tar and pitch of the, of the animals, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and, and so let's say he goes unnoticed. How does he survive? I mean, he's a three month old, right? Like he's, he can't make it on his own. You're counting on somebody finding him. Mm -hmm. And this is where the story gets really cool though. Yeah, this is which is yes, that is the coolest part of the story uh, of Moses' early life. So, 
Because you'll never guess who just, just so happened to be bathing downriver from where this basket was headed. It was Pharaoh's daughter. And so, you know, kind of natural curiosity took over and um, had to see what was in the basket, right? If I saw a basket floating towards me, I'd have to do the same thing. Of course. Hopefully it's not a snake. Um, <laughs> but she she opened up the basket and to her surprise, there's this three-month-old baby boy there. She recognizes that, it's, that he's a Hebrew. And so it's so cool because Moses' sister, which granted, remember, there wasn't any issues with the daughters being born. It was just the sons that he felt threatened by. So Moses' sister is watching all this, everything from when her mom put the basket in the water um, all the way through when Pharaoh's daughter gets it. And so she moseys on over and says, hey, uh, should I go and call a Hebrew woman who's currently nursing to help you out with this? And uh, which, you know, talk about some divine intervention. (laughs) Um, Jumping ahead a little bit there, but my goodness, how you couldn't have planned any better than that. No, this is... There was a lot of people, you know, and for the timing to be just right for Pharaoh's daughter to be bathing in the river Mm -hmm. at the same time that this basket shows up and then for his sister just to have witnessed all of it. Yeah. uh, There wasn't any, you know, phones to say, Hey, I just got this basket. Somebody come check this out. No, they just happened to all be there. Right. It's, It's crazy. Right. I mean, not, not even walkie talkies like, Hey, Hey, go, go, go watch real quick and let me know. Like, no, like this, Everything had to work out just the way it did, and it did. So Moses' sister, of course, crazy. She knew somebody who happened to be nursing right around then, her mom, went and got her, introduced her to uh, Pharaoh's daughter, and she was set up to nurse her son, which is, you know, yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about that. What's what's even crazier about the whole situation is Pharaoh's daughter actually paid her to do it. Yeah. I'm sure there's some moms out there that wish they could uh, get that deal. Um, <laughs> but 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 eventually, because of how everything transpired and, and whatnot, Moses' mother gave him to Pharaoh's daughter. He was her son for all intents and purposes. Um, despite his his Hebrew heritage, he, he belonged to Pharaoh's daughter at that point. And when the time came, uh, he was named Moses, uh, which is Hebrew. It's similar to the uh, words drawing out because he was drawn out of the water. Um, and that's how, we, that's how we get the name Moses. But just, just a cool series of events that you, know, you, can see, you can see God's hand all over that because it just doesn't, things just don't happen that way. Coincidences, accidents, you know, things happen, but like, that that doesn't just happen. Well, we don't know how long Moses was floating down the, the Nile, right? So, and and in just in, in kind of retelling the story, first of all, we spent a lot of time on Pharaoh's, uh, or on a, um, Moses' sister, right? Talking mm-hmm. about how the divine intervention that she was, just happened yeah. to be there. Which allowed her to say, to, to put the pieces together and say, yeah. you know what, my mom's over here. Of course, she wants her son back. If if I can convince Pharaoh's daughter to take care of this, then everything's yeah as it should be, right? But I'm wondering if, and, and I don't want to take anything away from what God did, yeah. um, but I always also try to look at, there is definitely supernatural mm-hmm. things going on in the world all the time. God's doing yeah. miraculous things. But I wonder if it was a case of 
Pharaoh's daughter's bathing down there. Hmm. Let's see if this works. Moses, here you go. Send him yeah. off. Hey, daughter, go watch. Yeah, keep an eye basket. on him. Maybe it was 30 minutes watching this basket the whole time. Now, again, don't want to take anything away from mm-hmm. God. But could it have been everything happening within an hour? Yeah. Or was Moses floating down the river for 24 hours and, and it just happened to... Right. right. You know, where did she start and where did he mm-hmm. end up? And, you know, anyway, uh, it's just interesting to me how big God can work in things, even on a small scale, if that is, in fact, how it happened. Yeah. Um, but it's still God's hand putting the pieces together. I'm glad you said that because, you know, even if, let's say, for instance, that... Um, that Moses' mom had this plan all along, that this was, that everything went exactly how she wanted it to. Um, that, does, that it doesn't take away from what God did. No, definitely. Um, and, and, and I say that a lot of times when we're looking at success stories, we think, we look at, oh, well, look at all these really cool things he did, or look at how all of this stuff fell into place. And, and we, we call credit, it luck. It's it, everybody calls it right time, right place. Yeah, and and we and we credit, we give a lot of credit for the hard work and for the right time, right place, and for all of the things, and all of that's good, and 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 we should we should credit that, but that doesn't mean God wasn't at the wheel, because mm-hmm. um, it could have just as easily derailed as it as it did succeed, right? And so, um, just because we have to work at something doesn't mean that God's not in the middle of it making it happen. Right. In fact, I would challenge that when we. You know, when we pray for things, when we ask for things, it's on us to take the first step and say, okay, no, I'm serious. I want this. Mm-hmm. And and watch how God moves with you in that. It's if if we don't show some kind of initiative of actually wanting what we're praying for and, and what we're asking for, then, you know, I mean, Bill, you've got kids. If, if your kids ask you for something, they don't take any initiative to get it. What's your motivation? Right. Um, well, and, and, I, and I think God looks at us the same way sometimes. Yes. And that is a, a really good example. I, I, I look at actually just recently, just the last couple of days, um, Callie's been wanting a rabbit, hmm. a bunny, right? Um, well, it's her job to feed the dogs and the cats in the morning. Just yesterday she fed the cats, but forgot about the dogs. No, you're not getting a rabbit. Learn to take care of all of our animals and right. we'll talk. But until then... No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, show the initiative, right? Yeah. Show that you care. Now, I want to make sure that this isn't misheard uh, because I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up, I always heard, which is a bunch of crap, God only helps those who help themselves. Yeah. It's yeah. not true, and that's certainly not what we're saying. Um, God's going to help you if he decides to help you no matter what. But it also helps if you get off your butt and put in the work. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, and and yes, I'm I'm glad you said that because that's 100 percent true. Because what we see here is it could have very well been planned, but whatever it was, whatever planning or not planning, all of that, we see that God moved, and we see the same thing in our lives as well. Be smart, use your noggin, use your brain, but also know that God can and will move in situations um, outside of that as well. So we see that really cool situation. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house as. I guess Pharaoh's grandson, hmm. uh, essentially, and so, but one day he uh, he kind of showed that he knew where he came from. So he went out and he saw the Israelites working at the hands of the Egyptians, 
but he saw an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew man and uh, it, it shook Moses up and I'm, I'm sure it would have me too if I had seen that. But Moses actually went and killed the Egyptian. Killed him, hit him, uh, didn't think anybody else saw it, but he just couldn't, he couldn't hold that inside. Um, quick little side note. A lot of times we put these biblical heroes up on a pedestal mm-hmm. and like, oh, look at how great they were. None of them were perfect. Right. Um, this was not Moses' shining moment. Just don't beat yourself up too bad when you, when you make a mistake. The, our, our biblical heroes outside of Jesus, they, they all have their, uh, their down moments as well. Now, do we know much about Moses between being taken out of the river to, to this? Because I know these are two major stories in Moses' life. Was there much between there? No, there's, there's, just, there's a kind of a time gap there in the story. And then there's this isolated incident here where he kills the Egyptian, and then we have another big time gap. Mm. Um, so it, which tells you that this was an important story, right, in the, in the midst of it. This leads to Moses being an outcast. He... Um, Pharaoh found out what he did, that he killed one of his men. And so Moses ran off. He ran off to the wilderness in Midian. And that's where he gets married and he works for his father-in-law, Jethro, and um, all that for a while. But so, because I don't think we know exactly when that happens either. Mm. Um, But just kind of this isolated little story in the middle of it. So I've always kind of assumed that he was you know, a younger man, like maybe in his twenties, something like that. But, um, but we were all stupid in our twenties. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think that's why I think that, um, <laughs> he, he hadn't grown out of all that yet, <laughs> but yeah, we, but we all, all we really know from his childhood is he grew up in Pharaoh's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. When I think of Moses, those are the main two stories that first come to mind. Now that's not the main story that, that, ha- that Charlton Heston, portrays but we'll get onto that later that's Uh, right (laughs) but for now you know you mentioned we put our heroes up on pedestals they're not perfect jesus was perfect yeah so how does all of this point to jesus so i think really cool parallel between moses's birth and jesus's birth so if if it sounds a little familiar there's a reason for that so in the christmas story if you read um Luke's version of it, um, you see that the the wise men came in from the east and they come and tell King Herod, hey, we've seen the star of the king of the Jews and uh, and we've come to meet him. And he's he's been born recently and so we, we want to meet him. Well, Herod's response to them was, yeah, go find him and let me know where he is so I can worship him. His actual internal response and how he acted on that was, he ordered for all boys two years and younger to be killed because he felt threatened by it. Sounds a little familiar for our story today. This Pharaoh was so threatened by um, the Israelite people that he didn't want any of the males to survive. But just like in, in our story that Moses' parents were faithful to God, they, were, um, they chose to follow God before they followed Pharaoh's order. They found a way to spare Moses' life in the same way Jesus' parents they said, you know what? We trust God. God told us this is his son, um, that he's the savior. We're going to do what we got to do to protect him. We're going to trust God over people. We're not going to give in to this, to this call from Herod. And so we see, we see some cool parallels there between the birth of Moses and the birth of Jesus. And so uh, just a, um, an encouragement to you from that is, you know, you may be going through a tough season. may feel like the walls are caving in. I'm not sure what to do. Or you may be in a really good season um, either way. But you know, what God did for Moses' parents and for Jesus' parents and providing that way out in 
when they when they relied on him, they went to him. He provided that way for them. He's going to do the same for you as well. And so while you may be in a season of testing, like we talked about going through Job, um, know that God's got a plan for it, and he's going to see you through it. Even when you can't see the way out, trust that he's going to see you through whatever you're dealing with. Yeah, I agree with that. And even after having been a Christian for the last eight years, sometimes it's hard to remember that. Yeah. That, that, that there is going to be a time of peace and, and rest and, and, but right now, I mean, not really, but you know, when I am feeling down, you know, right now it sucks, but, (laughs) um, I agree. We've just got to remember that's going to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and I'm going on 20 or 25 years of, of being a Christian and it's still like, it's that daily thing, right? Of you're feeling congested like I am today. Like, okay, am I going to let that drag me down? Or I'm going through a tough season at work or when things are really good. Like, like I said, either way, whatever you're dealing with, remembering, stopping remembering, okay, God's in control. I'm good. Or God's in control. This isn't all about me. Like having that, like it's, it's truly, it's a daily, it has to be daily or else it's not. And more often than not, i Forget about that. It's, it's all about me and what I can do, right? So it is difficult, but if you do it, it's going to help you live with that peace of like, okay, I know things are a little crazy around me, but God still got it. Well, and to take it a step further, if you're living in sin and you're not thinking about God first mm. and you're not trying to build a relationship with God or live a life for God, then of course things are going to suck. Yeah, right. You know, you've got to... You've got to put God first. And again, even as a Christian, it's hard to do. But when you get to a point where you've had enough and God gets a hold of you and says, here I am, trust in me, instead of whatever it is you're caught up in, life does get better. I can promise you that. I can literally, Jesus promises that. He doesn't promise a perfect life where there's no trials, but getting out of that life of sin and getting into a relationship with Jesus is 10 billion trillion times better than whatever you're stuck in. Been there, done that. Trust me. It's true. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's the, probably one of the hardest things to convey that I wish, uh, I wish it were easier to explain. Uh, but the simplest way I can put it is doing it God's way is better. And it doesn't always seem like it. It doesn't always seem like it's, you know, it seems like it can be a drag. It's not as much fun. It's not this, that, or the other. But, um, but it truly is. It's just, it's just better. No, Your I, life is better when you do it God's way. It's more fun. It's more fun. It is. Um, <laughs> I used to think that. I told. I remember telling Emily, and I've, I've said this before, but I remember telling Emily at one point, I felt like I was losing a piece of myself, hmm. and I was. It was the bad piece of myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm thankful for it now. Yeah. Back then, it was hard. Because it was all I knew. Yeah. But now, I want to lose more of that bad piece of myself. It's just difficult to do if you don't stay in it every day. Right. Every every waking minute. I'm excited. We have our other session back, finally. <laughs> yes. It's been weeks. We can finally talk about what was going on in other areas of the world. Yeah. They're not recorded in the Bible. <laughs> We know Egypt is, you know, a, a huge tourist attraction now with the pyramids and the Sphinx and just everything they have to offer. Um, but I think what we're talking about now was probably before all that. So what was going on in the rest of the world at this time? 
So um, indications are that the Pharaoh who enslaved the Israelites was a guy named Ramses II. So just a couple of interesting facts about him, kind of tell you a little bit uh, who this guy was. He was the third Pharaoh, what's called the 19th dynasty of Egypt. I didn't do a whole lot of digging into who the first 18 dynasties were, but <laughs> this was it. But the 19th dynasty was one that was big in kind of the conquering, growing Egypt, growing that Egyptian empire. Um, and so it kind of makes sense. The enslaved Israelite people, they were, they were big on conquering, right? That was uh, what they were known for. And so, in fact, Ramses II was also known as Ramses the Great because he was just a warrior. He would go and conquer other peoples. Um, there were areas of Egypt that had been lost that he got back. It was a very prosperous time for Egypt. So, interestingly, one of his more famous battles was with the Hittites, um, which you may have heard that name before. Um, they were one of the um, Canaanite clans that was in the promised land that we're going to get to in a little while with Moses. But well, that's who we talked about around um, Joseph, right? They they left to, to go find, they didn't want to marry a Canaanite woman. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So we talked about that. Yeah. With, with Jacob and with Isaac right. and with Joseph. Well, so Joseph actually married an Egyptian woman, but with Jacob and Isaac, we did. Okay. Um, where they, yeah, they went back to Abraham's homeland because they didn't want to marry Canaanite women. Yeah. And we yeah. had some teasers then because it gets interesting later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about to get real interesting with all of that. So the Hittites were part of that. They were one of those groups. And so they battled in a place called Kadesh, which also we're, we're going to see where this intersects with the Bible. It's so cool to, to see some of this stuff in, in history. But anyway, so Ramses II, he goes and he um, he's out he's outmanned in this battle. I think the numbers I read was he had 20,000 men to the Hittites, 50,000 men. But he came away with basically a draw. He got some cities back that had been taken from Egypt. And he, he kind of made a name for himself in this battle. And so it turns out this battle was ongoing for years and years, over a decade. But it was also the first place where there's a recorded peace treaty between world leaders. Ramsey, um, the leader of the Egyptians, Ramsey II, and the leader of the Hittites um, had kind of a peace treaty to say, okay, we're going to quit battling each other because we're taking all of our guys out. So just kind of a little little interesting factoid about Ramsey II, um, what was going on. But as far as, you know, kind of where we are in history, this is definitely in the Egyptian conquest, the Egyptian empire age is, is, uh, is what, what we see here. Is this the same Pharaoh that we're talking about with Moses? Yes. This okay. is the Pharaoh who was in power when they enslaved the Israelites and during the early years of Moses. Yeah. Okay. So essentially Moses grandfather. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that earlier. So I think that's our story for today. There's a lot more to talk about with, with Moses that, it gets extremely crazy and God really shows his hand directly. We will definitely see in the next episode how God is really showing himself yeah. um, in, in a very supernatural way. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's going to get interesting from here, y'all. Until then, though, Matt, take us out of here. Thank you guys for joining us again this week. Um, you can find this episode and all of our other episodes at our website, www.simplifyjesus.com. If you would, shoot us back some feedback. Shoot us uh, notes, comments, what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. If there's 
places that maybe you you can't find our podcast or that you would like to see it, let us know there too. We would love to get it there. You can also find us on social media. Uh, we like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter most often. Comment, like, share. Uh, you can find us there. All of our social media, we're basically at Simplify Jesus. So check it out. Come hang out with us there. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. See ya.